Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast post game edition. Uh, Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Oregon in the wee hours of Friday night at Autzen Stadium have to come from behind to beat a previously one and four California team, twenty four to seventeen. The Ducks get the victory. Kayvon Thibodeau is amazing. Um, Travis Dye is underappreciated this season as a really good running back. And everything else just was, uh, I felt like. like. They're good. They they win. They're in the college football playoff discussion technically. They're in first place of the Pac-12 North Division. But – they don't look like a top 10 team. They don't play like a team that's in the playoff discussion. They don't play consistently like a team that should win the, the Pac-12 championship. So, I mean, I, Eric, you kind of said this on the way out of Boston Stadium to me, like, and I completely <clears throat> agree with you. Like, I don't really know what to say. Like, This team isn't very good, and yet they keep winning. So I guess that's a good thing. But this is a game in which – I think Duck fans are very frustrated at. Um, we're going to get to the going. We're yeah. going to get to Anthony Brown. We're going to get to the defense. I just – I don't know. Like, what more can we say about this team? It, it feels strange. It feels like this is a team that has a losing record, but they are 5-1, and one, and they are a top-10 team by number, and – they are in control of the Pac-12 championship right now. All right. Glass half full says they're resilient. They find ways to win close games. They battle. They don't quit. You know, they 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 finish. They, you know, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to, to win this one. They finish games for the most part, aside from Stanford, strong. And even the Stanford game, they finished it pretty strong until that last drive. At the same time, I go, this game was kind of a carbon copy. Yeah. of the Stanford game, right? And they came off a bye week and you expected things to look different, to feel better. And I don't know if you can really feel that way. I mean, if, if California scores around, you know, the goal there, they had six to eight opportunities from within the 10-yard line or so. Um, we're talking about a game that may have played out exactly the same way as the one they lost in Palo Alto. Um, and credit to Oregon's defense for not allowing that to happen. I thought much better internal pressure, much better pressure off the edge. Matt said it earlier, Kayvon Thibodeau's amazing. You know, five tackles in one half, a sack, one quarterback hit. Felt like he did even more than that. Um, but, you know, regardless, like, this is, a, this is a game that came down to the final five seconds, and I don't think we think that should be the case against a Cal team that scored six points against Washington State um, and is one and four coming into this and just hasn't shown an ability to be all that, I shouldn't say competitive because they were competitive in their losses before, but not a team that I think many gave an opportunity you know much of a shot for for being in a game like this with Oregon so um yeah it's a tough one Matt like I, I, I don't know what else you say I mean you, you feel good because they finished the game they won the game you know again you take a victory over a loss obviously you, you're happy with that you look at the Pac-12 standings they're in first place all of that is good at the same time I, I kind of go like boy it just feels like this team is kind of the same team it was before the bye week and I think that's a little discouraging because you, you hoped that Boy, you're going to get healthy after this buy. You'll figure some stuff out. And I don't know if you really feel like much has changed. I think that's the biggest issue to me is the fact that 
after the bye week, it didn't really feel like there was a lot that was different. Uh, very similar to Stanford, obviously, in the, in the total game, but also in the fact that Oregon shot themselves in the foot like way too many times. Once again, um, wasn't as egregious as it was in the final drive against Stanford, but Oregon did have a holding penalty to keep the drive going uh, in the final drive for Cal. Um, they fumbled twice in the first half. That was as many turnovers as they've had all season. Yeah, uh, Chris Hudson fumbles in the red zone after making a tremendous move on the outside, but Gets it stripped from him. Um, Anthony Brown fumbles on the final drive for Oregon on the uh, uh, the half, excuse me. And you know, there's a good chance they score there. Probably not a touchdown, but they Camden Lewis hit a 49 yard field goal, yeah. uh, which was that would have been good from 60. It <laughs> yeah. was a, yeah, he, he had a lot it. of leg on that. And so that that's the type of stuff where maybe it was still like just a bit of rust after not playing for a week. I don't know, but. It, it was countless opportunities that were kind of squandered. You know, Oregon out outgained Cal in the first half by over 130 yards, um, two, almost 250 yards in the first half. Like that's that's very good. And I thought Anthony Brown played a really good first half. And you know, they were taking shots downfield or downfield enough, but going for that 15 to 25 yard range. And it's just like a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of missed decisions. Uh, it just after a bye week, it, you're kind of left wondering. Like, I don't know. I think there was some optimism going in the bye week, although the, the loss to Stanford that maybe they can uh, work out a couple of these kinks in the armor, and it and it's they're still there. I think that's that's the disappointing part after this game. What I wrote in my post game column on DuckTerritory.com is uh, I don't. I asked Eric this at the end of the game, and I think we need to discuss this. I don't think Oregon has improved in any area of football since week one. Like, I, I think they are realistically right around the same team that they were week one against Fresno State that they are week seven of the football season. And you brought up, Jerry, how it, it's alarming that this team didn't make any improvements after its bye week. I think it's alarming that this team isn't really showing any substantial growth at any, any area over a seven-week season so far like this is the time right now where the teams that are going to be in the playoff discussion the teams that are going to be winning their conference championships when they play a team that's one and four and whose only win of the year is against an F a fcs foe sacramento state who they didn't blow out by 12 points yes mm-hmm when those, when the, the, when the elite teams play these caliber of programs, it's not close. They don't have to come from behind in the fourth quarter to win. I'm not saying that those teams play close games and have bad performances and need to kind of eke out a, a close victory. Those come against the the three and three Stanfords or the team that's in that's got a winning record. It doesn't come against the the bottom dweller of the conference and that's what Oregon is having to do consistently I mean this is mm-hmm. this is the fourth time this year I, and look sports betting does not factor into the game plan of you know coach, coaches don't pay attention to the, any of that but this is the fourth time that Oregon was supposed to be favored and 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 they failed to cover this is the third time this season They've been a double-digit favorite and couldn't cover against 
teams, I mean, the, the teams that they've played this year are combined 14 and 21. And three of those games are against teams that have one win on the year. And then and another one of those teams has zero wins. I, they, I can't find one thing that this team has gotten substantially better at. I think that to me is alarming because Verone McKinley has said they keep shooting themselves in the foot and he's right. And they have been extremely lucky that it's only cost them one game. I want to point to injuries. I want, you know, I want to point to things that, that are kind of stacked against them, but at the end of the day, you don't make excuses for that. And the staff has been clear of that, that they don't, you can't use those excuses. Those happen. And, this is a team that's beaten up from an in-health perspective. No one would argue that. But at the same point, like Matt says, it's like you kind of run through the different as, you know, aspects of a football game and of a team, and it really is hard to come to a conclusion of like, oh, they're significantly better in this area. Um, certain areas they've stayed good at, right? Like I think they've run the ball effectively pretty much every game. Today was another great one. We'll talk about Travis mm-hmm. Dye. Uh, arguably his best day, I think, as a duck. Two, over 220 yards, I think, from scrimmage, scored a touchdown, was really great. Um, you know, both between the tackles as a runner, also in the screen game. I was just telling uh, before we started this, he had seven catches for 73 yards and 63 of the 73 yards came after first contact uh, or after the catch, I should say. So, like, that's that says a lot about his game. But, I mean, they haven't – I mean, this is, they've lost a turnover battle today. The second time in a row that's happened, so you can't point to that being something that's really improving. Um, you know, they got after the quarterback a little better probably in the second half when Kayvon Thibodeau was there, and I do think his involvement, clearly you see the improvements and what it was like to not have him and how that was pivotal in kind of some areas. But the passing game, I mean, this was – I guess this was Anthony Brown's best passing game, but, like, I don't come away feeling great about it. I don't feel like, like I come away thinking it's fixed and that this is suddenly going to be an offense that can throw the ball all over the place. You know, he had 245 yards. He threw a touchdown. He had a couple that were further downfield. Probably the most completions of more than 15 to 20 yards in the air all season, I would imagine. For sure. Um, so there's something. There's some things that are, like, kind of better-ish, but, like, nothing that, like, really stands out that you go, like, okay, this is clearly improved significantly from week one to now. And I, I, that is discouraging especially when now you're going in a game against UCLA. And, of course, we don't know what will happen with the Bruins and the Huskies today, by the way, because it's now 1 a.m. I would say tomorrow, but it is today, um, much later in today. Um, but that's going to be a big game down there, and, and UCLA is a better football team than Cal. and That's on the road, and I just think you feel like, boy, we would like to feel more confident and feel like there's some momentum that's been gathered from this game. And, and I kind of just failed to see there really being an opportunity to take much from this that you feel positive from other than the fact that they did in the fourth quarter rally hold, you know, the defense made a stand, but collectively it's not a very good performance. No, I mean, I, I can't disagree with either of you guys statements about how the team just hasn't obviously improved in any one specific area over the course of the season. Uh, I felt that going into the bye week there were a lot of room for improvement. Uh, I still feel that way, um, which I guess you could look at on the on the plus side, where it's like, okay, if they do get better at something, then you know that'll help them going forward. But uh, I I do feel like there's a lot of things that Oregon doesn't do. They do well, but I you know they're a top ten team in the country. You know mm-hmm. that's like the elite of the elite, and you're expected to perform most of your tasks, most of your jobs or challenges at a upper upper level doesn't have to be elite. You don't have to be Georgia or Bama or, you know, Clemson a couple of years ago type of type beat, but you have to perform well. And I just, I, just going this far into the season, we're 
six games in for Oregon, it just nothing really feels honestly other than just the run game. Nothing feels like it's performed at an, an upper level. Um, again, you could always point to the injuries on defense, and that's a, but that's again, it's all a hypothetical situation where maybe if they were fully healthy, their line would perform at an upper level, but we don't know yet. We haven't seen it. We won't see it for the rest of the year. Um, and so now there's a lot more room for improvement. And at one point that's, that might catch up to them. And it almost did today. It, it definitely did last or two weeks ago at Stanford. And Jared brought up, it could, it could cost them. And if the, the thing that's concerning is they've now gone through the easy portion of their schedule. They've played one and five California. They've played 0 and five Arizona. They've played Stony Brook. They've played three and three Stanford. And there's, I can't remember if Stanford's off this week or not, but I, yep. I don't think there's any game that Stanford goes in outside of maybe against Cal and Arizona where you're like, it's definitively a win for them. Um, they've played they're easy teams. They have to go to UCLA next weekend. Um, we'll see what the Bruins look like later today against Washington. But I, I, I would be scared of, an, of, of a loss at UCLA. They have to play Colorado, but that's the only gimme game left. Oregon mm -hmm. State's offense is, I think, way better than Oregon's right now. Washington's defense is pretty good. That's up there. Um, you've got Washington State, who has given Oregon fits. You have to go to Utah. Like there, are, there's only one more game left where it's a gimme game, and you're playing all these tough teams. And we're in a position now where Oregon is is stuck, kind of in neutral, and it, it's interesting. And I think that transitions transitions us, excuse me, to Anthony Brown, where. Eric brought up the point that this was probably, I agree with him, this is probably his best statistical game, um, his best game as a Duck, 20 of 28. He had a touchdown. He ran for, uh, what was it, four, 59 more yards, or 44 yards when you take into consideration the sacks. He had the game-winning touchdown run, which I will I will stand here till I'm, and, and scream till I'm blue in the face. I do not think Anthony Brown is anything better than an average quarterback. I don't think he is playing well. I, I think the, the production at quarterback is severely limiting the, the overall production of this Oregon offense. But if you can't acknowledge the play that he did to score that game-winning touchdown as a heck of a play in a, in a really impressive performance, you're just being an asshole. Like You just don't want him to succeed. You don't want Oregon to succeed. And you'd rather see the, the failure of Oregon so that Ty Thompson would play if you can't acknowledge that that was a good play, because it was. And in the fourth quarter, he made the plays that were needed. But throughout the entire game, the offense was booed significantly. And yeah. it felt weird. Like, I can't – I've covered Oregon 13 years. I've been a fan of Oregon football, um, attending games well before that. And I'm 35. I can't recall a time where Oregon's fan base booed the football team or any team for that matter. That's the university of Oregon sponsored sport as much as they did 
Friday night against Cal. I'd love to have a listener to respond and you know give us some insight if that's accurate. It feels very accurate to me, Matt. I feel I'm in total lockstep there where it's like I just it feels bizarre, you know, and, and I understand the frustration. Like I don't I don't support booing college players probably in general. It's just kind of like a general rule, especially on your team. Um, even when the frustration is boiling over, I, I get it. I mean, I think it, you've listened to this podcast. You kind of understand our stance on Anthony Brown. And and I don't think anything he did, especially at the points of the game where they were booing, led you to kind of feel any better about the situations. Um, and I still don't think he's a great quarterback. And I still think the ceiling for this team is handicapped and a little bit more handcuffed, I should say, almost by him. Um, I think the hard thing that's a little frustrating is like if he plays the way he did on the last two drives in that fourth quarter, the whole game, like Oregon's offense probably has a pretty darn good day. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he ran the ball really effectively there. I think they took away a lot of the zone reads. Like, I mean, Jared, we, we tracked that. How many RPOs did, did he have? Like, what was it, half a dozen maybe? And that's a you know, number that was much closer to probably a dozen in previous games. Um, I got, I have six right now. So yeah, half a dozen. Half a dozen. I'm sure we'll, we're probably missing a couple of them, but. It was significantly less. It was yeah, no, it was basically no RPOs. And I think that clearly was a, a, a good thing like, to take away some of that read stuff because he has a hard time making those decisions. And you know, he made some decent passes. He made some good passes. Like, you, you can't take that away from him in this instance. But he also had so many instances early, and especially in the third quarter, where I think the booze kind of really settled in, where it was just very much the same what we've seen. And it was a lot of there are opportunities for big plays that he doesn't see. There was a pass where he threw the ball to, um, I think it was Jalen Red, maybe when he had Micah Pittman on the top over the top for a post route, which would have been pretty easily a I don't know a big game, maybe a touchdown. Um, and there are just so many instances of that that you're still seeing, and it's it's I think difficult because I want to give him credit, and I think he deserves credit for the way he played in that fourth quarter. And I think again, as Matt said, if you don't think that's the case, you're being an asshole, and you don't you, and you and you just don't like the guy. And frankly, we, we've been very upfront with what our stances are him as a quarterback. I don't think any of that has changed, but I, you do have to give him credit for the fourth quarter. But overall, it's still kind of a a bit of a spotty performance at times, not at times for most of the game. And tip of the cap for how he finished, resilient guy. I, I think you have to give him that. But, like, man, I feel like a lot of the reason they're in these situations are because of shortcomings earlier in the game where if, if you would have just executed better, you wouldn't be in a spot where he needs to go down and score you two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And uh, it's, it's it's just disappointing that I don't think you're seeing the growth here. And, again, it's it's really hard for me with a straight face to suggest, like, things are looking significantly better after what we just saw this week considering what we've seen previously. I, I just don't feel like much has changed. Yeah. I mean, not a lot has changed. And again, to echo Eric and Matt and you guys, or the listeners, you guys know how, how we feel about Brand, Brown overall. Um, I thought he played well today. And, you know, obviously he had his mistakes, um, just more read issues. Uh, we'll, we'll do a rewatch tomorrow and really kind of break down what he did miss or what he didn't miss. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of go from there as well. But I think one of the most annoying things is that you know, he had a lot of a lot of good passes tonight. Mm -hmm. And I think Oregon was more aggressive going in that medium range, that 15 to 25 yard uh, cap. And I think that's mostly because that is probably Brown, Brown's best window of completions in terms of a long ball, quote unquote. Um, he had two back-to-back -back passes with Devin Williams. And him, I, I've always thought that Devin Williams and Anthony Brown have had a good connection. 
that's right. a tall six four, six five wide receiver who can jump out of the out of the field. I can't say Jim because he doesn't play basketball, <laughs> but um, he he's athletic. He's got great hands. He's got speed. You know, I, I really like Devin Williams as a wide receiver, and you see it tonight where he has four catches for sixty seven yards and just makes plays. But Oregon's offense hasn't given him the chance to make plays, and I, and hasn't given the chance for Micah Pittman to make plays. Jalen Red caught his first touchdown, or excuse me, his second touchdown of the year. I always forget the one against Arizona. But Jalen Red for the last couple of years was just a touchdown machine. You know, he had almost basically like one – it felt like one a game for a long time. I think he had a – I think in 19 he had a seven-game stretch with a touchdown. Yeah. And, and so those are the types of weapons that are at Oregon's disposal, yet the Oregon just can't get the balls to them, which is, which is a struggle. And – you know, Brown had a lot of good passes tonight, and he showed you a glimpse of, you know, what he can be like when he just throws the rock, and he doesn't think about where he's throwing, and he makes simple reads, and he sees an outlet, and he hits it, and he's got the arm strength to make almost any throw on the field, um, but he just hasn't done it so far this year, and so I don't know if the coaching staff is extremely confident in his capabilities. It certainly doesn't seem like it at points. And while they were more confident in it today, I would hopefully like to see them continue to do that, especially when you have to go against someone like UCLA where you need to score points. Anthony Brown, I think you look at the stats and you think, wow, he played a good game. But I, I And this sounds like a, a broken record, but I felt like there was a lot more left on the field. How many times did we see this team, when they face a third and long, throw a, a, a pass attempt that's two or three yards beyond the line of scrimmage that has no chance mm-hmm. of, of creating a first down? And then I think what makes – I think probably what makes it so frustrating is that we've seen just enough glimpses. Tonight was another one where it's obvious that Oregon has the talent at receiver, that if you get them the football in space, there are going to be game breakers and, and you are going to put up big stats. And it's having to take that chance to throw the football down the field. And Chris Hudson's spin catch, he fumbled, but that's a prime example. Like mm-hmm. he made something out of nothing and almost got a first down before he fumbled the football. Devin Williams multiple times made big plays. And I think that's what's so frustrating with this team and with this offense is there's so much more there and they just can't tap into it. And it's starting to really rail on the fan base and the booing that's happening. And we should point out, like, we were watching the sidelines when the offense was off the field, especially in that third quarter when it was ugly. They had 11 plays for, I think, 33 yards. Not once did Ty Thompson or Robbie Ashford or Jay Butterfield go grab a helmet and put it on and start warming up. Not once. They A couple times they threw a football on the sideline, but it wasn't like – I think it was more just they were just passing the time away. Yeah. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't seriously warming up. It, there was no real indication at all that Cristobal and his coaching staff were considering making a change. And I think we're all – I'll speak for all three of us. I think we're all on the same page. We think there needs to be one. But the coaches don't believe so, 
And I think that's pretty telling about maybe where those three guys are at, that as poor as in the lack of consistency that we've seen from this offense through six games, it's not bad enough to force a change at, at that position. Yeah, I don't know how much else there is to say at quarterback, to be honest, because it's just kind of a broken record. And I mm-hmm. want to believe the freshmen are better and should be playing. Um, I think my gut tells me that's that they are probably at least higher upside plays. Um, I think you got a pretty stubborn head football coach, though. And I think, you know, and I mean, with personnel decisions, he seems pretty set in his ways and he seems pretty comfortable with what's going on. And that doesn't mean that a change will never happen. But I think you're right, Matt. It was pretty telling that this was a really bad third quarter. Oregon was, you know, in a position where you didn't know if the outcome was kind of up in the air. You didn't know what was going to happen. And there was no level of or sense that, that a change was needed. And it worked. They won the football game, right? Like, can't question the result. But I do think you kind of wonder, is this Coach Cristobal being very stubborn and, and sticking with Anthony? Um, when maybe he should make a move. I mean, we just saw what Oklahoma did with Spencer Rattler, who's a heck of a lot better quarterback than Anthony Brown. Um, mm-hmm. And that paid off against Texas. And obviously that didn't need to happen on set on Friday because they won. But I, I just, is it stubbornness from Coach Cristobal or is it a lack of competence from the backups? And I don't think we have an answer there. And until we do, it's just kind of more of the same. Yep. That's just how it is. We just, we don't have an answer about the backups. Uh, at this point, we just have to, or like the fan base and and, and we as as you know, reporters have to trust Cristobal and what he says. And if they keep running Brown out there, that's because he believes it's the best option. And he and so does Coach Moorhead. And you know, we haven't seen a lot of of either of the the freshman trio of quarterbacks, and so we can't can't make obvious assumptions about who's who and who's better, but. Uh, it's always going to be up to Coach Cristobal and Coach Moorhead, and, and they've decided for weeks now that, that Anthony Brown is far and away the superior quarterback, and that's just that's just how it's going to be. Injuries, nothing really major seemed to have happened in this football game. Cristobal noted that you always kind of knock on wood, see what happens tomorrow once kind of the adrenaline dies down, but nothing. Uh, um, DJ James? DJ James left. Yeah, I, he true. did. And I don't, yeah, I don't. And Mace, Mace Funa didn't play either. Um, yeah, Alex Forsyth, DJ James, and Funa. Um, Forsyth and Funa did not suit up. Um, and by the way, like the Forsyth one, like we saw, us three saw that coming a mile away because we watched him leave Wednesday's practice in street clothes. And three minutes later, Cristobal says that he's good to go. Like, <laughs> I don't think either any of us felt like he was a lock to play. You know, that was probably the most aggressive take we would take on that is he probably plays, but we're not guaranteeing it because he literally didn't practice Wednesday. Um, Funa was a weird one because that was another one where Christopher said that he was good to go. I think DeRuder said the same thing. Don't know why DJ James left, but – he did walk off the field under his own power, you know, didn't mm-hmm. get, you know, wasn't getting any aid going into the locker room. So we'll see what happens there. But I don't think DJ James really played all that well anyways in the game when he got hurt. And Trequest Bridges, when he came in, played pretty well um, in his in his spot. But nonetheless, defensively, you know, I, I we spent most of this podcast talking about 
the offensive side of the football, but I don't know. I, I might be just as concerned defensively as I am offensively because if it wasn't for KT coming back and into this game in the second half, I don't know if they win. KT is part of the football team, though. So, yes. you know, you, 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 I mean, you his, con to. his contributions have to be taken into consideration. Um, but should one player matter that much on a top 10 team? When he's the best player in the country? Yeah. Against a one in five team? Sure. I mean, it doesn't matter I, who's I, doing I, the I, job. You know, you know, the funny part, though, is Matt, they actually, the second half, Kyle scored more points. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so it's, it, it is a weird one. And like, I, I, the part that's actually frustrating from this is I think back to the way the game played out, and it's like, and this is kind of what happens with this defense is it's like there are a bunch of drives where the opposing offense doesn't do anything. Like basically jack crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Try to make it a children's show. And then there's mixed in four or five drives where it's just like the offense doesn't do jack crap. Or yeah. you know, the, actually Oregon's defense, I should say, doesn't do jack crap. And it's like it's so inconsistent. It's so hit or miss because it, up until Cal's drive there that almost ties the game i felt like oregon's defense had kind of a wrap on it and it was very similar to what happened against stanford right, right. where mm -hmm. in the second half against stanford they blocked it down they played pretty damn good you know there wasn't a lot of success there's no sustained drives and cow obviously had a, a couple of drives there to score points they scored 10 points in that half but there were a couple of sequences there in a row where i kind of felt like okay they're kind of getting it figured out and yet there's cow driving the ball down the field with the ball at the three yard line with a chance to win um and the other part is like even even mixed into that drive is sequences of how many fourth down conversions did they need to move it down there? How many third down conversions of they play really well for a couple of snaps and Cal converts a second and 11 or Cal converts a third and 11 um, or a fourth and four with a chip your cap to Chase Garbers because that was, oh, that incredible. That was unbelievable offensive play. <laughs> what are you going to do there? They had him in his grasp. He's going down. He flips it forward and there's a receiver there. Um, just in position to just get the first down. I mean, it was really pretty miraculous. But collectively, it's just so inconsistent. And I think that's what's so frustrating is, is you do go, man, there are stretches where they play really good from a drive perspective, and there are stretches even on drives where they play really well, and then they don't. So I think collectively, it's just a really uneven defense. And they didn't, and when they're not forcing turnovers, and again, they only allowed 17 points against Cal. That's, that's, you'll take it. That's, that's not bad. But when they're not forcing turnovers, you see how stressful this gets. And I think... It was almost a bit of a misnomer. The first four games where they forced 13 turnovers, now two consecutive weeks where they haven't forced a single one. And you mm -hmm. kind of go, this is why these games might get so hairy late, is if they're not forcing turnovers, the defense has a hard time getting off the field, period. Yeah, the defense does have a really hard time getting off the field. I, that's just how it is. I mean, they're, uh, Cal's first drive of the game went 75 yards and 13 plays. Now that's that's a lengthy drive. <laughs> there were a couple of third down conversions. Cal started three for three to start the game on third down. Uh, but after that, Oregon only allowed 50 yards in the first half. I think one of the things, Eric, you, you brought it up just then when you talked about how they were wildly inconsistent and how they would seemingly have a hold on the offense of the opposing team and really kind of figure out what they were going to do. They definitely – they have those moments. You look yeah. at the box score in Stanford game, you know, they had five or six straight punts. I, the issue is that Oregon's offense does not capitalize on those opportunities. So Oregon's defense can get you three straight punts or three and outs, whatever the case would be, a turnover. And if Oregon were to score on all of those, then the game would, you know, more or less be over. 
you look at today in the second half, and if Oregon's or in the first half, excuse me, if, if Oregon's offense scores in a couple of those opportunities in the second quarter, it's a much different ball game. But eventually, good teams make good adjustments, and you know Oregon has to make adjustments on the fly once people have made adjustments against them. And it just so happens to be that the good adjustments have been made on, you know, two of the final three drives of the last two games. And it gets really hairy down the stretch, just like you were saying, Eric. But I don't know. I There's there's part of this defense that I do really enjoy watching. Um, with KT in the game, I think it's just such a different beast. Um, their linebacker play is still concerning, especially in coverage. They're... Cal, just like teams should be doing, attack the middle of the field, um, either on Noah Sewell or Nate Hukliani's side or, or Jeffrey Bosser, who got in the game a good bit. That's where they should be going. And I don't know. It's, it's, another, it's just another one of those inconsistencies, same with the offense. So you're, you're left wondering what this could be if, you know, hypotheticals, but they're hypotheticals for a reason. I think the, the thing that's, probably the most difficult for me maybe you guys i think a lot of duck fans is it's difficult to grasp the fact that this team is five and one and that week in and week out there's just disappointment it, it it's a weird deal like i eric asked the question half glass full half glass empty like at, at one point you look at this team and then say they're five and one and everything is still attainable. But then mm-hmm. you also look at this team and they're nowhere close to if you just looked at the box scores or looked at the stats or just looked at the records and just saw this team was five and one. Like they're nowhere close to what you would think a five and one top nine, top ten team should be playing like. And you can say, well, like they're winning and they're and once they click then think about how good they're going to be. But I don't I don't have the confidence that they will ever click. I think that's what makes it so difficult to enjoy this season is that I, I don't you, – you, they keep winning, but you're also like this doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel like – it feels like fool's gold. Like mm-hmm. at some point someone's going to find out and prove that that this isn't real and it's going to come crashing down and you just hope it, it you're not there when it happens. Cause I don't know how long this team can sustain winning these types of games now, especially as the competition is going to get tougher. Yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, the, the we said it in the preview of kind of like, can does this team have a knockout punch? Can this team put teams away? I just don't see it. And I think that there's like something almost like, just missing, like, I don't know, from this team in terms of putting teams away, in terms of dominating teams. And, they're again, they're winning games, so we have to continue to talk about them in the terms of they can still win a lot of games and do a lot of great things. But I just think, like Matt said, it's kind of hard to really put into words what this team is because they kind of feel like an enigma, <laughs> you know, because yes. from drive to drive, you don't know what's going to happen. And there are... I mean, there were multiple times in that game where I thought, oh, Cal's probably going to win this thing. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen. So huge credit there because it was looked it looked tough at times. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, how, 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 many, how many 
can this team just consistently over the course of a season just pull the rabbit out of their hat over and over and over again? Can they can they go through a season and win all their games kind of like this? Because it kind of feels like that's the way it's going to be. And if that's if, if if they have a you know a perfect record from here, they'll be in the playoff. It doesn't matter how it happens. Credit to them. But I just think you see so clearly all of these kind of cracks and all these issues and shortcomings and, and it just makes you feel like at some point it'll bite them and obviously it did against Stanford already so we've seen it but it's kind of hard to come out of this one feeling real raw raw things are good they're set up to make a run here when the game was so competitive at the end again like again against the Cal team that I know they play teams pretty tough and Oregon in particular but that's not a very good football team and there's not a lot of things I think Cal should do better than Oregon and yet it was a game where if Cal completes a, a pass from three yards out in the last 10 seconds of the game, it goes to overtime, or maybe they go for two, which Matt suggested they should do, and I agreed, and maybe they mm -hmm. won it in regulation. I think one of the most dangerous things in sports is to rely on a team to click. Because while sometimes it happens, when you sit there and say that, oh, they'll click one day, don't worry about it. You know, they'll, they'll get back to the way they were and it doesn't happen, then, uh, you know, it just goes downhill from there. And this is one of those situations where there needs to be some sort of steady improvement in order to think that things are going to change and, and, and for the better. Um, relying on this team to click is, is tough. There hasn't been any signs of something being close to clicking on any side of the ball. Right. And yet here, yeah, here, here we are, Eric and, and Matt, we, they continue to win and they're still five and one, one loss to Stanford on, you know, one of the most interesting games and drives I've ever seen in my life. Um, putting it nicely, putting it nicely. And we don't want to get fined by the Pac-12. Um, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they find, think they players. would reach out. No, okay. <laughs> I think they find coaches and maybe maybe get angry at players, but I don't think they reprimand reporters. I think we can kind of say whatever okay. the hell we want, but that's that's fair. That's fair. I'll keep it, you know, PG. Um, but no, it's it's they're still five and one. They're still finding a way to win, and but to think that they'll do this every time is would be asinine. It's, it's these are two extreme wins, and it gets good for Oregon. They continue to to move upward, I guess, and in trends in the polls, but I don't know. That's two games in a row where it's just, it, uh, they probably should have, they lost one of them. And tonight was another game where, you know, one final throw and maybe a two point conversion and it's over. And the season, it, it basically it's over as well in terms of any New Year's six or aspirations. Let's end the show with this question. Um, confidence, that you guys have in Oregon going unscathed the rest of the way. You may put on a scale of one to ten or something, or what? what one to uh, ten. One. You, you think they drop a game? Yes. How many games? How many yeah. games Oregon lose moving forward? I think I said this on. I'm trying to remember which show it was because we do so many of these every week, so it gets lost. But I, somebody it was the mailbag. Somebody asked how many games do they win if something if with Anthony Brown at quarterback, and I said I think they lose three, um, and I. Still, probably feel that they lose at least two. I mean, I'll say I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll say if, if nothing changes, like this team's probably going to lose two or three more games. I think, um, and I don't know if it will. Um, 
I, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in, in how this team handles its business. Um, and, and eventually you'll, you'll match up with a team where when you're struggling in the first, third, first, you know, second and third quarters, you won't have a chance to rally in the fourth quarter. Right. You know what I mean? And, exactly. and there's going to be teams that just put you away and Oregon has to just, they have to play much better football. And um, again, I impressed with the resiliency and how they rally and, and how they fought. I think that is, that's a testament to their character. But again, I just don't think they're a team that should put themselves in these situations over and over again. And if they continue to do that, it's going to bite them more than once, at least. I think you look at the schedule. And again, I don't think the conference is very good. So I feel kind of crazy saying I think they're going to lose two or three games, but they're not playing well enough to beat. I mean, Cal might be one of the worst teams in the conference, and they just had to you know, fight that one to the end. Um, there are better teams on the schedule that are going to be better equipped to put Oregon away. And... Unless you know, unless things change, I think that'll happen a couple of times. Um, and there are some tough games on the road, UCLA being the next one. And mm-hmm. I hate to say this, I feel like we're pushing this back every week. And Jared makes a good point that you can't expect a team to click. We, I think we're going to learn a decent amount in Pasadena, but maybe we won't. And they'll win another game, twenty-four to seventeen, and we'll be like, okay, here it is. Here's the same thing again. And then they'll host call. And they'll host Colorado, and they'll win 28-21, to 21, and it'll be the same thing. And we'll just be going, okay, they're the one-score team. They did find a way to win at the end, but, boy, they're frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, Matt, yeah, I'm pretty confident that they'll drop another another game. I, I'm with you, Eric, in terms of the, the two-to-three mark. I mean, you just circle the schedule of UCLA next week at Washington and then at Utah. Those are three hard games, and those are three teams that if you catch them on the right week or the right day, they will put Oregon to bed. They will put them away in the third quarter of the first half, and then Oregon's going to be playing from behind. And they've played from behind a couple times this year. They've responded really well, which is the odd part of it. Like even today where Oregon was down after Cal scored their touchdown, um, they went. Uh, what was it? I'm looking at it right now. Five plays and five plays, 62 yards in just over two minutes. Yeah. Like, where has this been? And yeah, that 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 inconsistency of any type of offense, even though they've shown it, where they can march down the field like this and say, "Whatever, we're going to score. We're going to tie this game up right now." It hasn't been there. Yeah. And one day it it it's not going to be there at all. And a good team will put them to bed. And. That's that's or we'll just be doing the same podcast for the next six weeks. <laughs> I would. Uh, I don't know. Jared, I don't I would, know. I, I would. Jared, I would lump Oregon State in there as another game. I know that's not on the road. But Oregon State. Another sure. tough game. I mean, absolutely. I, Matt ran through the schedule. Aside from Colorado at home, like all those games are, are games that will probably be, could in theory be very competitive to the end. So mm-hmm. it's really I, I, think, I, I think Oregon loses next week at UCLA. And my first thought without seeing how UCLA plays against Washington, I think they might get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they lose at Utah, too. I, 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 they, they have struggled all year to consistently stop the run and to get off on third downs. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that is Utah's bread and butter. Running the football, control, you know, they are a better version of how Cal plays. And they – are very stout up front defensively and will make Oregon throw the football. And I just, I don't see that game going in Oregon's favor right now. So right now I think they lose two more times. And is that going to be enough to win the PAC 12 North? 
to get into the Pac-12 championship game as a nine and three team. I don't know. I think uh, it will be. I think it yeah, might be. Because, be because, that, because if, if they just lose those, those two games, that means they beat all the other teams in the North and all those teams already have the same number of losses. I think they get in. It's the crazy yeah. part. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that's that's. I mean, and look, my my opinion could change in a week. Maybe maybe they go down to UCLA and they play really well and they win, and my my expectations change again. But right now, I don't have confidence in this team going unscathed, just like you. I, I sorry, I, I have a question. Yeah, would you be would you be at all shocked if Oregon went down to UCLA and kicked the Bruins behind? No, and that's, that's the thing. Frustrating. You don't know what team you're getting. Like no, like I I I, I, talk, I told Eric during the game. I'm like, hey, this is the same team that went to Columbus and beat Ohio State on the road. Yeah. I kind of dominated them. Yeah, without KT, without flow. <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think I, we want to get off the show, but that right there tells you that this has been a poorly coached team because there's no consistency. There's no week to week improvement. And they, they can, they without a doubt, 100% play up and down to their level of competition. And that's a sign of poor coaching. In my opinion. I think my final thought is just WTF. (laughs) That's that's what, that's where I'm, that's Mm -hmm. where I land. WTF. Mm -hmm. I don't All know. Right. Final thought. I think we're good. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, continue to follow us on podcasts and also on YouTube. We're uploading our shows there as well. Um, and head to DuckTerritory.com for more post-game coverage. And uh, until Monday's show, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace, y'all.